Hey y'all, welcome to Vlegication, where we teach you about people you should know about, and if you already know them, you'll learn more about. I'm Tamia, and this is my co-host. I am Brandon, and I am happy to be here. Right, so uh, we're going to go ahead and kick y'all off. We don't want to waste none of y'all's time. Today we're going to get started with Van Rustin. Um, and essentially what we're going to be talking about is some of his upbringing, some of the challenges that he faced being a part of the civil rights movement, uh, specifically focusing on his identity as a queer black male. Uh, so we'll be talking a lot about like intersectionality and how yes. that played a part in, you know, who he was in the civil rights movement and how that um, affected his role, essentially, yeah? And we're going to drag the civil rights movement a little bit. <laughs> you know, because yeah. why, yeah. why are we going to get off scot-free? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It just doesn't seem fair. It's getting into some so. things, okay. You want to take it away? I got you, I got you. So, right. I'm going to start y'all off with some background information. Uh, just talking about, you know, the impacts of his life before okay. he got big and famous. Okay. Uh, so, he was born March 17th, 1912 in West Chase, Philly. Um, and he was actually born to, um, obviously, his parents. But he was raised by his grandparents. Um, and he had a huge family. He had, like, 12 siblings. Um, but what we saw is that his grandparents had a really big impact on his life. Uh, mainly because his uh, both his grandmother and his grandfather were Quakers. Uh, his grandmother was a part of the NAACP, and she was like big time. Like, okay. yeah, he had like She's uh, popping. big popping for real. She had like W. E. B. Du Bois coming to her crib, like kicking it with them. So he had a really big influence um, for people that played a big, big role in like what it meant to be a Black American at that time. So that really kind of impacted uh, the way he moved throughout his life. Um, so he ends up obviously leaving home, goes off to college and things like that. And what we see happen is he actually joins the YCL, which is the Young Communist League. Um, mm. and, right. <laughs> right, the commies. Um, but when he joins this, uh, he obviously thinks that they're going to be focusing on like civil rights and things like that. But essentially what ends up happening is they take their focus off of that and they are actually focused on like spreading what people would call like the communist manifesto at the time. So he does leave this group, but it puts a big stain on him just coming straight out the gate out the gate and essentially the reason behind that is because we know like second red scare you know the sphere of communism looking at the major wars that we're participating in as the united states that the whole idea of communists in russia at the time in china they're just like they like can't take no we don't have time for justin mccarthy don't even do that to me because you know that's my favorite topic but just this idea of communism, this shared wealth and things like that is really scary to the United States, especially this man with black aligning himself with communists. Same thing we see with Angela Davis. You know, it's a big fear that they have. Um, so that puts a state on him like fresh out of college. Um, but we are going to see him still go on. He goes on to co-found uh, CORE um, as well as be a part of planning uh, big things for the civil rights movement. So the 1941 <coughs> March on Washington, that unfortunately actually didn't happen. Um, but that's like a precursor to what we see later on with our big March on Washington for Job and Freedom and things like that. Um, and then, unfortunately, we hit 1953, and this is where he has his first arrest. And he's actually arrested for uh, sleeping with a man that he serves 50 days in a chain gang. So, crazy. Yeah. No, that was actually really wild because, like, being a queer person now, I can't imagine somebody just being like, oh, you holding hands with your girlfriend? Yeah. Lock her up. Can going you, like, to jail. You are going to jail. Like, what? Like, what? Yeah, no, nah, that's... Yeah, it's pretty crazy. That blew my mind. But this is a really big turning point. So I've already talked about, you know, he has this stain on him from, you know, aligning himself with communists and things like that. And then he now gets he arrested. Finished. Right. So he's already this super big figure because we have core at this time. They're doing like sit-ins, the freedom rides, like to protest against, you know, civil rights and things like that. And then he gets arrested. And this is kind of where we see his life take a big spin, um, mainly because of his position that he's going to take on. Um, and how a lot of people are just 
not gonna be with it. And it's mainly because you know he's a black gay man. Um, so I'm gonna give it over to my partner to yeah weave the tail. Um, yeah, so you said some pretty interesting things <laughs> as far as like him having to kind of like step out of the spotlight and take a back role. Um, when we look at the civil rights movement, um, a lot of it was based off of the church. Um, I mean, clearly MLK was um, a renowned pastor, um, pastor yeah, <laughs> who um, had his own sins, but we won't get into that, about how he was sleeping with white women. Um, but anyways, um, but Bayard Rustin is, of course, like, you know, homosexuality is just this terrible thing right. in our community. The so that's the biggest sin. and. You still see that even today, like where people talk about sin. The first thing that pastors want to preach about is homosexuality, but they don't want to talk about adultery or, you know, all the other things. You know, because you know, if you're going to hell, you're going to hell. You know, but anyways, anyways, back on track, though. So, um, Bayard Rustin, yeah, he does take a background um, because of this. And so, some of it is self-imposed, which I really, really do hate. Yeah, um, but um, I think a lot of it was influenced by the civil rights movement, even... Um, when we go back, um, everyone knows like Rosa Parks, like she's a household name, but um, you have to go back and think about Claudette Coben, who was right. a dark-skinned uh, teenager who essentially did the same thing that Rosa Parks right. did and refused to get the first seat. She was like 15, right? Yeah, she yeah, was like yeah. 15, and um, she was also unwed, and she was pregnant, and um, they just didn't want her to be the face of the civil rights movement. And one of the things that they said was like, oh yeah, white people are going to eat this up, like her being their, um, you know, unwed and pregnant at the time so you know um it makes me think the civil rights movement some of it was about visibility and respectability politics but you know, you know. okay but I, I, I don't far be it for me to cake for him please okay. please please but i do have to think about like because like nowadays you know the time we <clears throat> frown upon like this respectability politics right yeah but it's like i really do wonder like if it was necessary for them to get what they needed like would had it been claudette Mm-hmm. Would it have been the story of her not getting up on the bus, or would it have been the story of this year? I get what you're saying. You, you feel yeah, me? Yeah, so it's the like, focus would have been on something I, different. I, I and, absolutely think okay. that it's egregious, you know, the way that they did things back then. And even yeah. when you look at Van Rustin, like, because he's not a household name, you have to wonder if that's like how that would have turned out if he was, I guess. So what you're what saying, saying, so what you're saying is they put him on the back burner because they didn't want that to be the focus. Like, right, like, okay. right. And it's like... So I totally get that. It's that same thing you hear about. It's like, you know, um, I mean, now we like, that's dumb. But like, when you, they're like, you have to pick your side almost. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at that point in time, the big fight was just for civil rights as it applied to your company. Yeah, sorry. You feel, you feel I hear you. I, I, I hate you. to be that guy. I hear you on that. You but again, so let's do it. But like, Mark, what was he doing? He on his wife every other day. And it was an open secret. Like, he literally was sleeping with white women. There was something where he had a scandal where uh, apparently a woman was sexually assaulted, like, in a hotel room, and they swept all of that up. But, but they were resting, but they were resting. He's gay, gay, so he can't. Like, what? Like, no. No, no, no. I'm just saying, I'm trying to give perspective to the Got situation. Got it. No, no, like, no. I totally get it. I totally get it. I totally don't make me the bad guy. I don't agree. I'm looking at this in my 2022 mind it's, and I'm not thinking like 1950. Exactly. So I, I totally get it. I do have a little bias there. We have but, a lot of bias yes, and I yes, can recognize yes. that and I still think that yes. it's wrong, especially because at this time we do have white queers that are fighting for yeah, their own course, rights. So for course. them, like they get that chance to be like, this is our focus. This is what we're going to harp on. 
but we're still dealing with, you know, Jim Crow almost. So, yeah, it's, you know I mean? yeah, so it's very interesting that you bring up white queers because I think um, when we talk about uh, the LGBT community, um, or Q+, I'm sorry, um, community, um, a lot of people in the black community, especially um, um, cis and hetero um, people, mm-hmm. they think of it in terms of a white problem, yeah, right? Yeah. And so um, we have this term called intersectionality that's uh, going to be coined by Kimberly Crenshaw back in 1989. Mm-hmm. Shout out to 1989, a great year. That's when I was born. Um, 95 but, was better. But, um, it's okay, it's okay. Um, but intersectionality is basically just saying that you can be a part of more than one struggle, right, essentially, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, um, and a lot of people just don't have the idea that you can be a part of more than one struggle. Like, women in general are not going to hold as much privilege or power as men. Like, right. we know that across that, the board. Yeah. But when you look at a black woman, like, she has to deal with the fact that she is a woman, mm-hmm. right? And that black men inherently hold privilege, of, right, right, right. hold privilege at just being a man. Like and even like and um like I was on Facebook the other day debating them like black men like black men just love to be like play victim and they're like black women don't have you know as much um like we we're on the equal playing field and it's just like no like black women even small stuff like black women have to like monitor and police how they talk or how right, they even reject yeah, black men because they're getting killed because of that like yeah. and black men don't have to like generally deal with that kind of stuff and i think though the conversation with that is very similar to what we saw then though it's like we have a new thing to focus on so we only feel like we need to focus on that one thing so like especially when we had that summer where it was like every day we're turning the news to see a black man being killed i think that really brought about this like big conversation between like what's the difference between being a black woman and a black man right and i think a lot of that gets lost in translation it's like we can walk and chew gum at the same time, bro. Like, right. it is super okay to not only advocate for um, racial injustices as well as mm-hmm. uh, sexuality and, you know, uh, sexual orientation, things of that nature. And I yeah. think it's just hard for people to take yeah. on both of those things, which is why I love the word intersectionality because it, it's basically setting you up to acknowledge the fact that you don't have to take these two battles separately. Yeah. Like, I don't have to be black one day, a woman one day, and queer the next day. Like, I'm all those things every day. And so I think it's interesting to see how, like, that in particular has played itself out throughout history. Well, when you look historically, uh, I think that the black community has just kind of always had an aversion when it deals with homosexuality um, as far as in America, right? Um, So um, it goes back to um, there was something called buck breaking that Mm -hmm. happened where... um, you have this idea of this strong um, black man, which were referred to as bucks mm-hmm. um, during that time. And so these uh, plantation owners uh, would essentially um, want to kind of break them down um, to make them be um, more docile and less mm-hmm. defiant. So they would literally commit uh, sexual acts. So they would either um, uh, basically create a, a situation where there was rape happening mm-hmm. um, or they would rape them themselves. Um, and they would do this in front of the whole community. Yeah. So it's essentially, it does something to a man's pride, right. you know, where you're having this stuff uh, occur and happen. And what I think is, like, as you um, tell these stories from generation to generation, I can understand where the aversion or right, why maybe, yeah. like, why maybe homosexuality is, like, the ultimate sin um, in the black community versus, you know, something, um, something else, you know. So 
So do you think when we talk about a band wrestling, it's it's that mind frame? It's like, oh, he's doing this one thing, so he can't be the strong one in the middle because of this identity that he has. Absolutely. And especially like if he's choosing to be that or absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to um you have to think too, even back um like Black queer people didn't just appear. And even in certain time frames, like during the Harlem Renaissance, like there was, um, you know, there were a lot of people, but it was just like kind of like an open secret. Like people right, may have yeah. known um, that this person did this, but um, I think um, his arrest, like, okay, so now it's like, we can't sweep this under the rug. Right, this yeah. is something that is oh, national, yeah, national news. So now we have to address it. And it was, it's almost like the civil rights movement is kind of like, okay, well, like, you can have your sins, you can do whatever you want, but as soon as it becomes something that can be weaponized mm-hmm. against us or affect the movement, right, yeah. now you become a liability. And so I think with Bayard Rustin, this um, kind of happened. And let me tell you something, Bayard Rustin is a good one because the moment they would have told me, like, <laughs> like oh, yay. Um, you gotta go to the I would have been gone. But, um, you know, in retrospect, I really um, am happy that he still did continue mm-hmm. on the fight because he was just so influential, um, even after the civil rights movement, with um, fighting for um, queer rights for, yeah. um, for Black people. Um, and I really, really like that. Um, I know that his story um, kind of ended, um, uh, I believe it was in 1987. Why would you throw Maybe. a number at me like that? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's 1987. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure it's it like was 1987. Oh, yeah, like about him is that he just continued to push on. Um, mm-hmm. Fun fact, um, I also realized too, like, um, he had a lover for, I think, like, the last 15 years of his mm-hmm. life, and he ended up uh, adopting him, like, legally adopting his lover be, um, so that, um, because that was the only way legally that they could have any... Like, um, they did an adult adoption? Yeah, they did That adoption. is so wild. Yeah, they did an adult. He adopted his lover so that, like... He could have like, a name? Yep. So, um, so I thought that was, like, really, really, really cool as well but um you know just um yeah it just sucks that you know he had to kind of have to do all of that um and it just kind of sucks that even though even today we still deal with intersectionality issues where um a lot of people in the black community just kind of like uh will prioritize like race over something like Mm -hmm. sexuality um and i even hear those conversations that like sexuality is something that can be chosen so that's why it's not as important and you can't really change your race and different things like that, but it's just like there are multiple instances yeah. where my, my know, biggest like, issue with all of it is the fact that like it's an issue until I bring something to the table, right? So right. it's like the constant conversation of like, look at the choir directors. Everybody knows when nobody says anything, but as long as they're providing you a service, it's fine. Ooh, look at your hair, just, you know what I'm saying? Listen, and that's a, but that's the same thing listen. you saw with Bayon Rustin, like. They, um, when I was doing my research, they talked about the fact that he's the one that actually went and visited Gandhi and brought back the principle of nonviolent civil disobedience. Like, and that is coined with Dr. King. And you would think that would be something that we would know that he did because they talked about how, like, before um, Van Rustin went and, you know, found all these principles and brought them back to him. Okay, you know, he had guns in his home. You know, he was doing this, that, and the third. And right. all his security guards walked around with weapons on them. But after he teaches him, um, this new way, he gets rid of all those things. Um, setting up the March on Washington, that's literally all on him, you know? And it's just such a shame because, again, I'm providing you a service, so it's fine. But if I'm no longer doing that, then I got to go. Like, I'm the outcast. Like, that's, that's what those It's like, even interesting that. that you say that because even, like, um, with um, certain, um, like, like, when you brought up the hairdresser scenario and it's just like, um, 
like my mom was like that, you know, where she was just like, oh, okay, like I don't mind like um, going to get my hair done and gossiping and stuff like that. Right. But like, I don't want my kid to be like this kind of thing. Or too. I don't want it around me or my children. Yeah. It's like... So and it's uh, like, that's still literally a bias that you have, you know, but it, like societal norms just have um, black people more likely to not come out the closet anyway yeah. because of this pushback that you're going to get. Um, and because the black community is so intertwined with religion oh, and cool. that's I'll, like I'll really it up, black. You did it. Really I was going to say it if you, you did know, it. So it's just like, and so like, um, I think that when it comes to privilege for uh, white people that are LGBT, um, they have the privilege of being white, but they also kind of come from a community where it's more accepting um, to be open or to be yourself. And black people, um, because a lot, a lot of black people are kind of, um, married with religion, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, in some kind of aspect, uh, you know, it, it was shunned upon. So, like, they don't come out the closet, and then they kind of... It's always been one thing that I frowned upon the civil rights movement about it, because, like, to me, it almost feels like a cop-out to be like, oh, we're going to base this on religion, because that's just an easy way for you to get rid of people that you don't want to be an issue. To me, to me, that's what it's always felt like. And we have to Absolutely. acknowledge this fact of, like, I'm, I'm wholeheartedly, I believe in the differentiation between like church and state. And while I understand that this is not like a federal issue that's coming down, like right. I think that that's still an important factor when you look at social movements, which is why one thing that I loved about the Black Lives Matter movement was that they were never, to me, what I saw, they were never actually attached to any type of religion or anything like that. Right. It was just this movement of people coming together and being able to do this thing and fight against this one thing. And also acknowledging that some people may have identities that I don't share. Because again, with Isn't the civil rights, it's queer. Yeah, it's just yeah. queer, right? Yeah. So it's just like a lot of what we see from the civil rights movement is so deeply rooted in religion that it's it's so toxic that other people that share other identities can't be a part of it. You know what I mean? And that yeah. that's very frustrating coming from uh, a place of queerness. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, you feel like. Yeah. Even though I would have had all this knowledge, I couldn't have been a part of something like yeah. that. You know? you know, black people are not a monolith. Like, and I think oh. that like. Like, I would have loved to have uh, seen, like, I mean, we have MLK, who is the face of the movement, and he's a straight black man, and it's just kind of like, okay, like, where are, where are the women that, you know, like, what, like, why is it only him being showcased? Mm-hmm. And then you had opportunities to showcase everyone, and when we talk about community, especially the black community, all those people are in that community, so we really needed to have something that represented everybody, yeah. and I kind of, like see it being focused on straight black men and kind of saw that a little bit with the Black Lives Matter movement a little yeah. bit like I mean Especially not, yeah well not the actual organization because yeah. again the organization um but like when I'm talking about like when people in society like um you know we we say protect black women and but like is it just a hashtag or is it just something yeah, cool to say like or like I mean you know, you have to think about, like, the black women there. Uh, black women have been the result of, like, police brutality as well. And, like, the only big name that I can think of was, like, Breonna Taylor. Like, right. But there were so many other black women who also, you know, were killed and kind of had similar situations. But we all know, like, the Trayvon Martins. We know the Mike Browns. We know yeah, the yeah, yeah. We know the George Floyds and stuff like that. Um, you know, so, and it's just, like one of those things where it's just like, oh, it's a woman. So, like, I mean, maybe it's not going to get as much attention. Right. um, I just think we have a little bit of work to do with that. And I think that Mm -hmm. Barry Rustin, um, 
you know, he really just did. Um, I really, again, I really commend him for realizing that all of these mm-hmm. things were um, were problematic, um, but still continuing and seeing the big, bigger picture and continuing to work. You know, so I really do appreciate it about him because, like I said, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, because <laughs> so. at the end of his life, he actually helped uh, establish the Southern Christian Leadership Conference with MLK, but he refused to be credited on any of the work. Uh, and this is, I mean, not right before he passed, but like in his later years when yeah. he helped him do that. Um, and some of his founding principles that he left everybody with was the fact that he believed it took everybody to be an ally. So not just black people, not just white people, not just Asian people, not just queer people. Like we yeah. all had to be able to come together uh, to create a strong foundation for us to live and thrive and be great on. Yeah. He's one of my personal heroes, truthfully. Yeah. Uh, so I really love that we started coming out the gate with him, uh, but he was laid to rest on August 24th, 1987 in Manhattan, uh, where he was with his lover at the time. Um, but very incredible guy. I hope that you all learned something about being wrestling today or this idea of intersectionality. Um, we'll be coming at y'all again with some more episodes yeah. and some more heat, uh, things to offer. But again, we're Education. I'm Mia. I am Brando. And we'll see y'all next time. Bye. Peace.